welcome to today's episode. I have missed you. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, thank you so much. And you may have noticed that there has been a few weeks, more than a few weeks, in between this new episode and our last previous episode, which really segues into what I want to talk about today. And that's a real life look at being a homesteader and raising your own crops and everything that that entails, kind of like a pulling back the curtain and let's talk talk the reality. Because I think we tend to sometimes romanticize the homestead life or being self-sufficient or the pioneering stuff. You know, all of the wonderful things that raising your own food, food cooking it from scratch, I mean, there is so many wonderful things about it, but it does take time. And there's a flip side to doing all of that stuff while we are in our modern lives. And as I've shared before with you guys, and for any of you who are listening to this new, so I work a day job. I'm a pharmacy tech at a pharmacy about 18 miles away from our home. So I don't have a huge commute, but I've got a little bit of a commute. So I work that. And then my husband also works full time. And then we have the our homestead where we raise all of our own grass-fed beef. We raise grass-fed pork. We've got the laying hens. And then we also do meat chickens, which we butcher ourselves. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit because it's kind of the catalyst for today's episode. And of course, we've got perennials. Um, we've got fruit trees, rhubarb, blueberries, all kinds of fruit trees, raspberry bushes, and then a regular summer garden that we put in as well. So I really know what it means to be busy. And I also know though in this modern life that we can still do all of these things. It just takes some planning, but it's completely doable. But I want to kind of pull back the curtain because a lot of you, if you're starting out or even if you've been at this for some period of time, I think we all hit this point and I really want to share about it. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. So the backstory is you have not had a new episode from me because March has been just a little bit crazy. In March, I had a wonderful opportunity to go to a summit or a business conference and it was really fabulous. And I got to fly down to San Diego. I've only flown a couple of times. Um, and so that was really cool. I'm by no means an experienced traveler, but I'm starting to enjoy it. Even if I go by myself, I was a little bit scared at first, but I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable and really enjoyed it. And it was great, fabulous time. I learned so much and I'm super excited about that. I think that that's one thing, um, homesteaders and do it yourselfers and self-sufficient peeps. You listen into this podcast with me. We are total learners. We love to learn stuff. So I really got to get my learning on, but because of the travel and then coming, you know, back home from traveling, being gone having to catch up on that. And then at my day job, my coworker, she took a vacation. And so we are really small. So we cover for each other. So I had all of her shifts at the pharmacy coming off of being gone for the conference and traveling from that. So then I took her shifts at the pharmacy and then, which is all super good stuff. This is not a complaint list, but my new book, which is releasing in October of this year, I got the edits back from my editor in the publishing company. And I had so many days to go through and get those edits done and then turned in back to her. So I was on deadline and all of this just happened to hit in March, which made it a little bit crazy. And so that's the backstory. And part of what I want to share is 
sometimes we just have to pick. And for you, it may not be putting a podcast or a blog post up. I totally get that. But there may be something else, a different area in your life that normally you would have done and that you're just not able to do. And that's okay. There are seasons and in our life when we're not able to do what we would always want to, but we just know it's a season and that it will pass. And it's okay to let some of those things go because we're not superhuman and we can't do everything. But this segued into what it really looks like. So while I was gone, I had started our tomato starts because I start all of our tomatoes and our usually our peppers. Um, I have basil, some German chamomile, some of those warm weather herbs and those vegetables that we need to start indoors in order to have a full growing season. Because here in the Pacific Northwest where I live, we've got a shorter growing season. So that means that if I don't start the tomatoes and peppers inside, if I just tried to start them from seed outside come May when we can plant, I would never get a full harvest. There's just not enough time in our growing season. It goes from the end of May for warm weather plants to about mid-September. So to get enough harvest off all that stuff, I have to start it indoors. So I did get those seeds started inside and under, we have a little grow light in the living room where we've got 25 tomato plants going right now, basil and, and the chamomile. So while I was gone, my daughter was in charge of watering and making sure the light got turned on in the morning and off at night. And I was a little bit apprehensive because I'm like, oh my goodness, like if these don't get taken care of or if they perish or whatever, that's our entire tomato crop for the year. And I don't buy tomato products in the store. So from our tomatoes that we put out, which is a, my favorite that we do, I'm trying another variety this year too, which is a purple Cherokee tomato. I'm super excited about that. But I, my main preserving tomato is a paste tomato that I make all of our salsa, tomato sauce, um, spaghetti sauce, pasta sauce, you know, all of that. And then regular stewed tomatoes, canned tomatoes, all of that for the entire year. I can up from our crops, so I don't have to purchase it from this store. So I know that it's a pretty big deal if that tomato crop were to go into failure. So she did an awesome job. And that was really fun because it was the first time she had had full on responsibility like that. And she's going to be eight years old soon, but it was really great. And it gave her a really good sense of responsibility and knowing that she could do it and kind of upping her level on what she's doing to help around with the crops in the, in our homestead. So that was really a nice opportunity. And that's another thing too, is sometimes we're so used to doing certain things ourselves that we need to look and be like, okay, there's other members in the family or there's other people that could be helping with this. I just maybe need to give them a chance or maybe they're old enough now within the case of children. And that can be a way that we kind of give ourselves a little bit more space and a little bit more time to get things done. That was a good lesson for me is that she's more capable than maybe I was realizing now to help out with those things. And then it came time because this is the time of year that we need to put in our order for, we don't, um, for our cattle, we do breed those ourselves. So our cattle for the beef always gets bred back. So that's not something that we purchase. We've got our cows that we breed and then we actually borrow, um, we take our cows to a bull, I should say, we borrow a bull for that. We don't own a bull or run a bull in our herd on our property at the moment. So that I don't have to put in orders or purchase from somewhere else, but we do not raise as far as breeding back. We do purchase from a local breeder, our 
um, heritage, the Hereford Ford pigs that we use for our pork. And then we also purchase our meat chickens. I do for the hens. I let them hatch out. If I need to add new chicks in, then they naturally hatch out in the spring. I'll let, I've got one great mama broody hen that will hatch out some babies for me if we need to enlarge our flock that way. But with the meat chickens, that and the pork is something that we purchase. So that means that I have to make sure that I get my order in with the breeder on time to save my spot and to make sure that I get those animals so that we can put them into our you know rotation for our crops and our livestock. So my husband and I were talking about the meat chickens. And the meat chickens are more work they, than just our laying hens. They require um, a lot more taking the feed to them, taking the feed out, then we get them as chicks. So there's the whole heat lamp thing, moving their pen multiple times a day when they're out on. We don't really do free range, but we've got a chicken tractor that we can put them in. But they require, because we get so many of them at a time, with the space of the chicken tractor, they require usually moving it twice a day. Whereas with my laying hens, I only have to attend to them once a day. So it does add another element of work onto it. Then there's also the butchering time because we butcher our meat chickens ourselves. So that adds another layer on too. And I was already feeling really behind with everything because of the way marches went down for us. And we, I wasn't sure that we wanted to do meat chickens this year. Or I should say, I wasn't sure I wanted to do meat chickens this year. I love the meat. Uh, you know, all of that's fine. But it is an, another added element to our schedule and our busyness. Part of me, and the other reason too, is normally we do about 15 meat chickens and we butcher those and keep them whole after they're butchered. And then those are our whole chickens throughout the year. And I'm kind of like, I just don't know if I want to deal with it this year. Honestly, I'm like, we've got so much going on. And I know that that overwhelm happens, not just for me, but there's times that we feel like that. And so I was kind of telling my husband that and normally we get, we have the option of getting, ordering them about 12 to 15 through our local feed store. However, this is the first year they've not brought the meat chickens in. They have to special order them, which I, you can order them online too. But when they're special ordering, and this has been my experience, experience when I've ordered them online as well, you have to order them in a minimum of 25. We were going back and forth like, I don't, we don't really want to deal with 25 meat chickens. We did 25 one year. And it's a lot more feed cost to feed that many. There's a lot less space. It's just a lot more work when you're doubling it with the meat chickens. Normally, if you're adding in another pig or another cow, it doesn't really increase the workload that much. But with the meat chickens, it really does um, add in a lot to the work. And neither one of us were really sure we wanted to take on 25, but that was the only minimum that we could get them in. So we kind of kept going back and forth. And I really was pushing for the let's just not do them this year. And then my husband made some really great points. He said, well, where are we at with our inventory on them? How many do we have left in the freezer? How many have we went through? And I said, at this point, I think we've got, I think there's three or four left of the whole chickens from last year's crop. And he said, okay, so we've got three or four. That's not going to take us anywhere near through a whole nother year, obviously. How much is it going to cost us to go to the store and to purchase those to replace them if we're not putting them up ourselves. Now we raise ours, like I said, they're in a chicken tractor, so they're out on the grass, they're out on pasture, and I purchase only organic non-GMO feed to feed them. So I know that they're raised completely organic, pasture, free range meat chickens. Know exactly what goes into them, and then, like I said, we butcher them ourselves. For me to go and purchase those size of chickens from the store, 
I'm going to be looking at paying close to 15, 20 bucks per whole bird. And I can raise them much, much, much cheaper than that. Usually, um, averagely on the, on the pound and everything, I, I guesstimate we're about four to five bucks per whole chicken in cost. And that's paying the cost of the chicken itself feed. And then figuring in, we rent the butchering equipment from our local county extension office. Uh, so it's putting all of that expense in minus your time. I don't calculate the time in as far as monetarily wise. But I realized that that would be a huge strain on our budget if we were to purchase all of that instead of raising it. So we decided that we're going to go ahead and we're going to do the chickens. And I actually was able to contact my brother. He had mentioned wanting to do meat chickens before too. And I said, hey, do you want to go in on these with this? I have to get 25 we'll split them. You know, you can take 12 and do them and we'll take the other 12. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. So I'm really excited now, whereas I really didn't want to do it. But a lot of times we're focusing on the hard work that goes in. And I am not going to lie. I told you we're pulling back the curtains. There is work that goes in and money to raising your own food. To, especially with livestock, you know, there is, there's work, there's time, there's money that goes into it. And you have to take that into account and realistically with your schedule and look at it. But when we only think about, it, and that's kind of where I was, I'm like, Oh, it's just going to be so much more. It's going to be more work. And I was just looking at the dreading factor. But when we focus instead on the reward part, and if it's worth it, and I know it's worth it because we keep track and that's another thing. If you are doing home sitting and you're raising crops and all that stuff, keep track of your expenses. You need to know that what you're putting in money-wise, how much money are you saving if you go and buy the same thing from the store and you have to compare realistically. Like I said, we're doing all organic pasture-raised meat. So if I go to the store and I try to price the cheapest Southern farm chicken I can find, that's not a true price comparison. So make sure that you really are comparing, you know, the apples to apples, oranges to oranges thing when you're doing that, but keep track because I, we have found that with all of the livestock and with all of the crops that we definitely, definitely save money. And it's not all about the money. There is also, it's the health, it's the health of the animal that then the better food that we're putting into our bodies. So I know that we're healthier and there's the self-sufficiency and the preparedness aspect that I know we're not dependent upon the grocery stores for all of these things that we can do these at home. And then, like I mentioned with my daughter taking care of our tomato plants, there's that element as well when you've got family that you're working together as a family. And that's the only way that we can make it work. If I was the only one doing all of this or on the flip side, if it was my husband was the only one doing all of that, then it really wouldn't be possible. It takes the both of us doing it together and the kids helping out, but it gives them skill sets that they're going to take with them. It gives them a ton of learning opportunity and feeling, you know, building their self-confidence and what they're able to do, lots of teaching time. And it does bring us together and bond us together more as a family. And I, I grew up on a farm. We always raised our own beef cattle and had a summer garden. We didn't do chickens or pork. I didn't always want to go out and necessarily always feed the cows or weed the garden and all of that. But now as an adult, looking back, I am so grateful that I had that upbringing and those skill sets. So I know my kids, even when they grumble, I tell them to go out, we're going to weed the garden or whatever, but they do help and they do do it. And they realize too, as they help putting up the food and then we eat it, that that is part of our family's 
survival. That's We rely on those things in our pantry, and they get that. And as they get older especially, and so I know when they become adults, my hope is that they'll look back on it and enjoy it and be grateful that they had those opportunities as well. And sometimes there just simply is not enough time to do everything. We really have to evaluate, and this is what we do on our homestead. In fact, it's what I'm doing with our peppers right now. I've got one grow light, which is a good-sized grow light, and I'm able to do all of my tomatoes under there, and I share, I've got herbs under there as well. And I like to do peppers. However, I don't have enough room, and I don't have a heat mat. So you can get seedling mats that do heat, that you put your starts on when you're starting seeds indoors, and it's going to keep that soil at a warmer temperature than what it would just be in your house with the air temperature. And this is really important if your house is really super cold, or maybe you're starting them in a garage or a greenhouse that may not be heated. And it's also important for those really heat-loving plants like peppers, specifically your hotter peppers, generally like jalapenos, they really need soil temps around 75 to 80 degrees like they are air temperature too they really need to be warmer in order to germinate quickly and to grow well and then start producing to get a healthy plant my house is not that so we use our wood stove so during the day usually the fire is not going when we're at work and then when we come home in the evening we heat it up and then the heat lasts into the night but for a good portion of the day, my seedlings are just sitting around mid to lower 60s and then it gets up to the high 60s, or low 70s in the house in the evening time and on weekends. Therefore, for hot plants that really need those hotter temperatures like the hot peppers, they're not, I have started them inside and they don't do so well. They really struggle just because it's not hot enough. But when I look at the investment of purchasing a heated seed map for just the pepper plants, and then the electricity to run that on top of the grow light, I know, and the time that it's going to take to pot and do those more, add those more plants in inside, I know that I can get organic heirloom jalapeno peppers at our local nursery and at our local co-op. I can easily get those, and usually about three to four jalapeno plants is plenty for us. Now, you might like a lot more heat in your garden, so you might be doing a lot more of those hot peppers, but for me... It's just much more cost effective to just purchase those few plants than to invest in all of that and to put the time into it. If you guys want to take a look at the setup that I have for our plants, the tomato plants and the herbs that I've got going in the corner of our living room with our grow light, you can check that out in the show notes along with links to everything that I'm talking about. And that is at melissaknorris.com. Click on the podcast button. And this is episode number 103. And I have a video there showing you our entire setup and then giving you some tips on with your growing your own seedlings as well. And that's part of our Facebook Live Pioneering Today show that goes on every Thursday morning. Well, you really need to look at things from your time investment and a monetary investment to see if it's worth it. Now for the tomatoes, totally worth it. One, because I, to buy close to 25 tomato plants, that's going to be a significant amount of money to purchase those tomato plants because I want organic and I want heirloom. That's the way we roll on our homestead with our plants. And the other reason too, because I have never seen the variety that I like, the San Marzano Lungo number no. two paste tomato, those aren't available around here. So I can't even get those varieties that I like. Therefore, I got to start those babies at home. So it's really just taking a look at it. Your situation may totally be different than mine, but really looking at the time and the money 
And is it going to be cost effective? Do we really need to do that? And then if it's just for me with the meat chickens, it was more the emotional part and dreading adding on one more thing because I feel a little bit overwhelmed this month, but we have to look at the end result too. After we, my husband, you know, talked me through that, I realized that I was focusing on all of the extra work that it was going to be putting on us instead of the reward and what we get out of it. And that is so true with anything in life. It's kind of what we focus on a situation is what we're going to find and what we're going to see instead of focusing on, Oh my goodness, this is going to be so much more work. Look at all the positives. So with meat chickens, we do the Cornish cross. It's 10 weeks, 10 weeks out of the whole year. And I've got enough chicken to feed my family for an entire year, sitting pretty in the freezer or the canner. However, we decide to preserve it after butchering time for 10 weeks. And it is, a, it's so much cheaper. Like I said, about four or five bucks per bird compared to 19 to $20 purchasing that in the store. The payoff is immense to do that one at home. So when I focus on that aspect and all of those traits, then it really makes it worth it. And now I'm excited and getting our order in to get the chickens. But you'll find those things in home standing, even if you've done it for a little bit or you're just starting out, not being quite sure if it's really worth it or not, or not sure that you really want to do it. And you'll be tempted to say, ah, I'm not going to do it this year. I don't want to do it. But really use that criteria to evaluate and see if maybe you might be changing your mind. It might just be a, a little attitude time. That's how we evaluate and it's worked really good. And like I said, sometimes it wins out. I decide to get it from the store and the instance of the jalapeno starts this year. And we decided that we're going to stick with raising all of our own meat birds again this year instead of going the store route. For this week's verse of the week, I think this one is so fitting. In fact, I didn't even need to look it up as I was recording the podcast. It just completely came to mind and it really encompasses not just when we're evaluating our crops and but really everything in life, but it especially has to do with our mindset and where our focus should be when we're focusing on the good. And it is from Philippians chapter four, verse eight, and this is the NIV version Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's because we know what we think about and what we focus on determines how we act, what we do, and it is really, really important. And sometimes it's easy to forget that. So that is, and I find that when my hands are in the dirt and, you know, getting dirty and actually growing and raising our own food and our livestock, that I feel a deeper connection to the Lord. And not to mean that if you're not doing that, that you do not have a close walk with the Lord, because as we know, that is not by our acts. We're not saved by our acts, but there is something when I'm tied because he created nature, he created our world that I can really see his handprint in things more so than when I just go to the grocery store and I'm purchasing it. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast, and I really am happy to be back with you guys, and I would love it if we are going to be doing, if you missed it, going to be doing an encore presentation, so I'm going to be doing another presentation of our free 
live. It's online, but it's live masterclass on raising your own food for a year. So what I mean by that is specifically raising enough of certain crops that will take you and your family through an entire year without having to purchase that from the store. So the crops that we raise, how we raise it, how much we plant, and then how we preserve it and how we do all of that. And so I would love to share that with you again. I had a lot of demand for that, and I know a lot of people really want to take that training again, and it's free. So to get the notification so that you can register when we do that again, and then also you can get the notifications of when we do our Facebook Live show, which is Thursday mornings for about a half an hour only, you just go ahead and send me a message via our Facebook page. So that is facebook.com slash Melissa K. Norris. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well. But just send me a message there. And then I've got some co- a cool new app that will actually send that out to you so you can catch the Facebook live shows. And then it will also give you a message when we get the date nailed down to do the encore presentation of raising your own food for a year. I look forward to chatting with you there and seeing your guys' stuff in the comments and on our next episode. I can't wait to have you back.